It's only fucking advertising. Hello, everyone. It's been a long, 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 long time. But we're back for an episode of It's Only Fucking a Global Pandemic. Yeah, it's that time. It's been historically messed up, hasn't it? Holy shit. But here's the thing. Things are changing daily, and dare I say, there's a slight bit of optimism out there. Even with every negative thing we see on the news about COVID, not to mention the polar vortex in May with a 70% chance of murder hornets, I'm feeling optimism somehow, and I know others are too. Now, I'm recording this little intro from my home, so you may hear 12-year-olds fighting about whose turn it is on Fortnite or cartoons, or dogs barking, whatever, so apologies in advance. I'm not going to record this again. But I am able to do this intro from home because of Vapor Music. Thank you, Ted Rosnick, my exec producer and audio director. Thank you to Ryan Chalmers and everyone over there for everything, including the great equipment. This microphone still smells like Lysol, And I'm kind of uh, enjoying it, to be honest. So, okay, back to the COVID thing. Yeah, it's messed up out there, I know. But here's what I didn't want to do this episode. I didn't want to spend a whole episode talking about this. I want this episode to take your mind off of COVID. Now, I will discuss it a little bit with Fernando Machado, but just a bit. Now, if it sounds like we are talking about COVID like it's early March before the world shut down, it's because this interview with Fernando was in early March before the world shut down. And you know what? It was fun. It was inspiring, interesting. I loved every second of it. And it's not really about COVID at all. So let's talk about my guest today. Fernando Machado is the most inspiring CMO in the world right now. And he's probably the most famous CMO as well. And we talk about some of his hits, like the Moldy Whopper, you know that, for Burger King. Dove Sketches, he did that too. And my takeaway after talking to him is, you know, just him speaking about his journey for an hour, it provides a bit of a blueprint for all marketers. So I hope we have a lot of marketers listening to this in addition to the rest of y'all. And here's a bit of a truth gun for you. This is one of my top one or two favorite interviews so far. I really enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. So here we go. Here is the episode, which was an in-person situ in Miami, Florida, back in early March with the one and only Fernando Machado. It's only fucking advertising. Yeah, so based in Toronto. I actually just had Anselmo up. He yeah. flew up to Toronto and we... Yeah, uh, we were we there ch- together. It was like a week or so ago. You were there for Tim Hortons. Yes. Oh. So we were having a meeting there. Yeah. So no. how, how do you feel about our winter here? Oh, I like it. I like, <laughs> I, li- I like it very much. My parents are here for the whole winter, every single year. This is what Canadians do. They, they escape. They're snowbirds, they're called. They come down and they live in uh, Pompano Beach for nice. f- five months a year. And I'm going to go see them right after this podcast. But this is crazy that this is happening because I was just coming down on a mini vacation and (laughs) it's good to have famous friends like Anselmo and he emails you and says, would you be up to do this? And I didn't think you would be able to do it 
because I know you're probably traveling around the world every second. So, <laughs> but it worked. Like it I, worked. I should have been in um, in Dubai for um, I think it was the Dubai Links, and uh, and I was attending like the retail summit. Yeah, they both got postponed. Um, so I'm here. Right. So this coronavirus, it's really fucking up the planet. And uh, it's messing everything up. We just put in place something. I think there's going to be an all staff that comes out today. Yeah. It's at my advertising agency. So something's going to come out today, outlying all like everything we're planning on doing, everything we're doing. Is there stuff going on at uh, on your brands, Burger King, Tim Hortons, and Popeyes? There's stuff. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Like I think that um, there is stuff going on internally and stuff going on that's more like consumer facing, right? Right. Internally, like uh, we have travel bans for many markets uh, at the moment, which is not helpful uh, because my team is a global team. So that's right. We're doing work like all the time. Uh, I should be visiting the BK UK team next week, so that got canceled, postponed. So uh, it's everything's kind of like up in the air at the moment. Then with consumers, uh, it's about um, reassuring them about the things that we're doing in the markets that are not like in, in lockdown yet or mm-hmm. or that like have a better situation. Any markets that have a lockdown is to have like the right operation procedures in place um, so that we keep the business running as best as we can. Yeah, I deal with a lot of presidents and CMOs and I'm just waiting for a text or a few texts from them any second saying things like, well, the so-and-so campaign is canceled. Right. Yeah, no, it's a scary time. It reminds me of 9-11. I mean, just when yeah. I started my career, I mean, every the first thing to go is normally it's advertising, right? Are you worried about that? I mean, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot less people at all three of those brands we talked about. Are you thinking about that? Or I th- you- yeah, I think that some markets we had have suffered like a bit of an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, in others, not yet. Um, we have in many markets a business that's strong on delivery, uh, which potential, has the potential to increase if people stay at home. So in some markets, it kind of like evens out. Yeah. Um, in some markets, it's getting <clears throat> affected. Um, I think that in the U.S., I think that the situation is still hopefully under control. Um, I think that if, if the thing doesn't get like out of control in the U.S., I think that we should be okay. You know, like... Um, uh, as many like American brands, like Burger King is an American brand, it's the largest brand we have in our portfolio. Um, Popeyes is also heavily concentrated in the US. Tim Hortons is more like uh, Canada. Yeah. Um, so I think it really depends on which, where your market, where your brand um, has a strength in terms of sales and, and how those markets are affected by, by the virus. Um, so far for us, it's under control, but like the whole situation is a bit out of control. So yeah. it's kind of like wait and, and, and hope for the best. Yeah. One of our biggest clients is WestJet. It's a big Canadian yep. airline. And uh, yeah, though that industry is like suffering like a big hit. It's a big hit. It's a big hit. Um, yeah, no, it's it's ugly out there. You know what? We'll see what happens. I mean, by the time this podcast drops, it's going to be either way worse or a lot better. It's yeah, not coming I, out I, today. You know? Look, I, I'm Brazilian, so I tend to be optimistic about things. Um, I think that summer coming, um, in, in Europe and uh, in, in North America will probably help. I think so. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but this is this yeah. is what we're seeing. Yeah. So let's see. Let's, let's hope see. for the best. Prepare for the worst, worst and, and hope for the best. Good. I'm going to take that halo of optimism that you're throwing <laughs> out. Um, 
So, Fernando, I'm breaking my rule just for you. This is a podcast where I interview famous advertising creatives. That's all yeah. it is, right? That's why so I talk. You got you got that one wrong, then. Because I'm not, <laughs> neither famous nor advertising creative. Oh, you're plenty. Fa- you're plenty famous. So, <laughs> so I talked to a lot, a lot of creatives, like Anselmo, who's your yeah. friend, and I'm breaking my rule, and I'm having a client on. You're the first one. I think you're gonna be the last. <laughs> I think you're gonna be the last one too. But the reason why I wanted to have you on is because I think you're a giant ad nerd. You yeah. know, you love advertising you know what dna d is yeah kind of the right yeah, yeah kind of a lot right so a lot of clients don't know what dna d is you do yep <laughs> yeah so i wanted to i wanted to break my my rule because i i think I, i think i what i have sitting in front of me is an ad nerd trapped in a global cmo <laughs> body so i wanted to ask how did this happen like how did you when did you get a thirst for For winning lions, yeah. Was it always this way? When you got into the business, were you always thinking, "I want to win lions. I want to do work that gets press and just blows up"? I, th- I think in the beginning, the motivation was different, but leading to that same path. Um, like my, my background, believe it or not, like I in college I studied mechanical engineering, yeah. so I'm an engineer. Yeah. Uh, but like I grew up. Like living the duality of loving drawing and uh, painting and photography and music and and all that, mm-hmm. um, but like uh, I felt like back then in Brazil, um, I felt that I was also good with numbers, right? I mean, my dad was an engineer; he was a professor on the, is uh, uh, a civil engineer professor in the army school. Uh, so I grew up like in the in army compounds, basically like all over Brazil, oh. moving around quite a bit. Uh, I lived in the Northeast, in the Amazon, in like Rio. I was born in Rio, uh, São Paulo, Campinas, and and I always had this thing of like numbers and in in art. And I started making engineering because I thought that it could give me like more options in terms of what to do after I graduated. Um, and um, and then I took an internship at Unilever. In a factory, so I worked for two years on the shop floor of a laundry detergent factory, mm-hmm. and that was the first time I've heard the word marketing. I didn't know what marketing was. I didn't know what Philip Kotler. Sunlight, right? Like is that it sunlight? Was, it, in Brazil, it was Omo, oh, yeah, uh, which yeah. is one of the largest brands of the country. Yeah, they have different brands depending on the country. Right? Yes, Persil, you know, like like, Vi- like uh, they have Vim in Canada, which is. Is called Which is called yeah, Sif. Yeah, Sif. Yeah, yeah. And it, 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 the, the name varies a bit depending on the country we're in. So, I, I, I've learned, I've learned about what marketing was when the marketing team from São Paulo came and did a presentation in the factory, and I was like, oh, that's cool because <laughs> um, I can use my numbers background, like which is business, and my creative side to to do something cool. So my Drive my main driver in the beginning was I just want to do cool stuff. Yeah, uh, it was not see, like, but that's like an yeah. advertising creator. I didn't know like what an MBA was. I didn't know uh, what the four P's were. Like uh, I didn't know any of that. Um, and then um, I applied to the management trainee program from Unilever. Got accepted. Went straight into marketing from mechanical engineering in the factory to the office in São Paulo. And, and, you know, like, in answering your question, like, I think I was always very lucky uh, to be in an, env- in an environment that was, that embraced creativity. Yeah. I was always very lucky to have 
coaches and bosses, sometimes my coaches were not even my boss. Uh, that's why I say coaches and bosses who uh, who understood the power of creative mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and inspired me to try to do uh, great work. You know, I remember when I started as a trainee or junior manager in Unilever, uh, the CMO who was Simon Clift, who is already retired, uh, he like uh, he was my icon in terms of like, oh, I want you to do great work like this guy once did, and he became the CMO of the company. Um, and they were doing good work that you loved? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, that, 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 there is an asterisk in there, which is the following. <laughs> um, I think that I truly believe that no one is born knowing what, um, knowing how to do great advertising or having like a strong criteria. So, like, I kind of knew, I kind of admire great work because um, me and a couple of friends, maybe other CMOs that we could interview if you want to continue breaking your rules. <laughs> like, we, I, I remember, like, we finished, like, working yeah. and we would grab some beers mm-hmm. and we would go to one of the guys' houses and, and we would watch the reel from Cannes. Uh, or Clio, or the A&G, like, in the VHS tape, you know? Like, there was no internet that you could just go and... Yeah, when I worked with Unilever many years ago, clients don't do the thing that you just said. Nerd out and just look at the can reel. Yeah. And I, my agency, we had Unilever come in, and we had we went to a movie theater, yeah. and we played the can reel. Yeah. And we had them do what you do at Cannes, which is whistle yeah. <laughs> when you hate something, applaud yeah. when you like something. And we did that, and they were doing actually not good work, like terrible work on Vim. And the next year, yeah. right, we had a brief that came out two weeks after they saw the can reel. From that brief, they won a gold line in Cannes. It was the bathroom ad with the lady cleaning the glass. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's how nerd I am. See, you're a nerd. I wrote that. Yeah, I love that ad. <laughs> like uh, with the like the J-O ad. And mom, how long is going to take? It's going to take long. Okay, I know it play. off. I know it off by heart. I mean, Ted is not in Miami with us, but Ted, I think you should have a song play every time I bring up Vim. Aaron's talking about Vim again. He just can't help himself. <laughs> now it's getting ridiculous. It feels like it's three times a podcast. I've done other work besides Vim, and I keep talking about it. But that's an awesome. That's an awesome campaign. This is like nineteen um, ninety nine to to no 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 sorry. That's uh, 2001, 2001. Vim? Yeah. I don't know. You can be a little nerdier than that. It was 2003. Yeah, well, I missed <laughs> by two years. Um, That's... Anyway, uh, so, like, yeah, we used to do that type of stuff, you know? Like, and, and, and I aspire to do that type of work, but I didn't know how to do it. I didn't have criteria, to be honest. Um, and... I think it took me, and I always say that to uh, to the guys on my team, especially like the more junior guys, that it took me like 10 years probably to do a campaign in a year after I did the campaign to still like it, you know? <laughs> because I would do things and I would be like, oh, this is amazing, I love it, let's send you awards. And then a year later, we're like, what the fuck I was thinking? You know, it's terrible. Like, and it can I curse here? And it didn't is it okay? You can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> Cool, good. Uh, so, like, and, and, and to me, it shows that you really need to, like, love that, the, the industry and, 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 and love creativity and believe in creativity. Yeah. And um, 
uh, and, and then develop an acquired taste, you know? Um, it's like uh, when I was like probably like 12 years old and we were in a barbecue in Brazil with my dad and he gave me a sip of beer uh, because that in Brazil is okay to do. Like, not that he gave me a cold glass, just try it, have a try. Yeah, I'm guilty um, of this with my children. Yeah, and then I tried and I was like, why the hell anyone would drink beer? You know what I mean? Like when there is Fanta in the world, right. you know? Like, uh, and now like uh, after you drink uh, through through years, like uh, you develop a taste and you may like IPA. I still don't, but uh, you develop an acquired taste for something. You do. And that's like advertising. So like being a net nerd uh, is f- first, like the condition to be a net nerd is to love creativity and love the industry. Becoming a net nerd I think it's a uh, is a requirement if you want to do great work, you know? I think so, too. So you spent, like, what, 15, 17 years? 18 years. 18 years yeah. at Unilever. And you spent most of that in Europe? No, I spent four years in Europe, four years in New York, uh, two years in Mexico, and the rest in Brazil. So it was like 10 years in Brazil, four, uh, four London, four New York, two Mexico. And you started to get a thirst for the great work. And what are you most proud of? You get one pick. <laughs> if I, I mean, the, the obvious pick from the Unilever days is real beauty sketches. Yeah. Um, because like, um, because of everything that we did around that campaign and how much I think that the entire team that was working on that uh, learned uh, in the process of making and executing and deploying uh, real beauty sketches. I think it changed my... Um, my outlook on on on, mar- on what marketing could achieve uh, for a brand. Were you doing a lot of uh, research with Unilever? You mean um, like quantitative, qualitative yeah. testing? So we do, like we used to do a lot of qualitative, quantitative testing um, uh, on materials that we would invest a lot of money behind. You know, it's the same with Burger King. Like uh, if, if I'm going to air a TV spot for six, eight weeks in North America um, and my sales depend on that. I mean, the media plan of that is more than $20 million. So we would do some research. Doing research doesn't mean that you get the result and you do exactly what the research told you to do. I mean, if if that were um, um, uh, the objective, then fire your marketing team and hire uh, research people and and there you go. I love that um, answer. So um, <laughs> I don't. So I don't have a problem doing research. Uh, I have a problem with people who um, cover their asses with research and just blindly do whatever the research says. Why can't there be more clients like you? <laughs> you know. So I I can imagine that if you work on an organization that's conservative, that doesn't understand the value of creativity, uh, that like doesn't believe on brand development and you are at a more junior level, it must be tricky to do, uh, to do um, uh, great work. Uh, and if you were, you were raised on that school, um, you may become blind to what great creative work can do for your brand and for your business and, and for your career. Um, I think that today there is still many companies that have CEOs that come from like a finance or sales path. Uh, nothing against that. There are CEOs that come from finance background that get brand development. Paul Pullman uh, from Unilever was like a finance background mm-hmm. uh, mostly, and he totally got uh, the value of brands and investing for the long term. So it, but like many times, um, if the CEO doesn't have 
uh, a, a bit of like a, a marketing spark or a marketing experience, he, he or she may struggle, you know, like, uh, and, and, and the consequence of that is that the CEO may not back you up uh, as a CMO. Uh, and, and that may result in people trying to uh, protect their jobs, you know, like um, in the end, some people tend to may have a more conservative uh, approach to life uh, than others, you know. Uh, I, I was never afraid of losing my job. Um, and yeah. That's rare. I think that's rare. Everybody's most most. It is most, not like I have money. Huh? Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's you're a bit of a cowboy. You don't care. Yeah, and I mean, ninety eight percent of marketers care. But they, I care. I care about doing great work. Yeah, but you don't care about losing your job. Like you just have this bit of a. I think it's that Brazilian optimism. You're probably like you know what? I'll get another job. No, but it's like to me is like. It's a, actually a logical thing, you know. Like there is something that's risk and reward. Like I don't, I don't see high reward if it's very low risk. I mean, if I see something like that, I put all my money there, and I would be a billionaire by now. <laughs> um, so I think that if you want, uh, at some point on your career, if you want to truly be differentiated and um, and do something unique, you need to define what you want your superpower to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I'm a mechanical engineer, so I can deal with numbers. I can, I know how to manage a PNL. I know how to build a sales plan. I know how to build a media plan. I know all that. I'm 100% sure there are lots of people that were way better than I am uh, <laughs> at doing that. Yeah. You know, but I, because I decided that my superpower would be more around um, creativity, brand positioning, design, uh, and, and driving uh, sales and strengthening brands by doing work that's relevant and get people to talk about it. And like, I remember when we did sketches, just going back to yeah. your question, they like, and you know, like by then I already had lions for Dove, for Vaseline. Um, 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 and and I, I was already knowing Unilever as a marketeer who, who does good work. But like, I, I never experienced the high uh, of doing a campaign that no matter where you went, if you went to a hairdresser, to the pub, to play soccer, to take a taxi, it, uh, to talking to customs when uh, when arriving, no matter where you went, people would be talking about real beauty sketches. Yeah, like and and it's like holy crap! Like look what we created. You know, we created like something that was so powerful that the world was talking about it, mm -hmm. and the investment was low. Yeah, uh, and that's why we didn't test. Like uh, we didn't test because we didn't even know if it would work, right? I mean, you didn't test anything. No. So we have a lot. But of, I'm not against testing. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not against testing either, and I know that's strange for a creative to say. I like testing strategy. I don't like testing uh, animatics and things like no, that. Yeah. It's just you, it's you know. No, we like uh, I. It has been. I don't remember when was the last time I tested animatic. It's probably more than 10 years ago. And I hope animatics just die. Because no, I do. I hope they die. Because it just, it's not usually reflective of a finished piece. You know, I had people say, I'll tell you a true story. I tested something. It was an animatic. It was for Molson beer. And it bombed. It got some of the lowest scores on record. And I had a hypothesis that the 
it was too good. The cartoon was too good. It looked, it looked like it looked <laughs> too polished. Right. It looked like uh, you know, like a video game, like really perfect. So they thought that would be the ad. <laughs> exactly. So we looked at the the scores are bad, but then we looked at the verbatims, and all of a sudden we start seeing like you know twenty twenty five comments about. Yeah, I like the concept, but I don't know about the cartoon video game people, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's great that cartoons are drinking beer and car- I don't want to dance with a cartoon. So we did it again, but we did it really shitty, and we kind of fucked it up on purpose and yeah. like did the worst cartoons possible, yeah. and it it did so well, <laughs> one of the best things ever. So. That's just to show you that it's just yeah. it's kind of bullshit. Let's not do that. And and I con the system. So if you can con the system, just kill the system. Yeah. Test other things. Now you were at Unilever so long, and you did that great purpose-driven work that you just talked about. Yep. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you go to Burger King. Yeah. It is the exact opposite. And by the way, <laughs> everybody started everybody started emulating what was going on at Dove. You know, yeah. everybody did. Social right? experiments. And- But even just playing with purpose. I think Dove's the OG when it comes to that. And, you know, like a girl, I don't think like a girl would have happened if it weren't for Dove being a bit of a trailblazer. I don't think a lot of the P&G work that even tackles racism would get made yep. if it weren't for many, many pieces from Dove, you know, the launch of the campaign for real beauty and what followed and sketches. Yep. So now you're going to Burger King. Why? How? What happened there? Yeah. So I so I was in Unilever for eighteen years, and um, like I I, I st- I'm still friends with the guys there. You know, like I still know the CEO who is now Alan Job, uh, my ex boss who, who I worked with when I was on Dove just retired last year. I still have like I've, I've been there for so long that I still know almost like everyone there. Um, that year was 2013. Like things were going extremely well. We were like growing share basically like everywhere with Dove. Uh, everyone was aligned with our strategy, um, and uh, and like and sketches has been like amazing. Sketches was not the only thing we did. Like uh, it, it's that it's just like it made everything else become small uh, in <laughs> yeah. proportion. Yeah. But like uh, we won Lions with a campaign called Ad Makeover. We won a gold lion in radio on the same year. Like we were like on fire uh, with Dove. I love it how you talk about Lions. <laughs> It's just like no, I, oh, I love it. I just want so many clients to listen to this. <laughs> You're a client talking about Lions. Yeah, but like I, I, I do because I believe that creativity drives the brand and the business. You know, like uh, the lines that we want for Burger King, they're not even in the office, nor in my house. You know, like well, we uh, don't have, we don't have. So our lines are are in a storage uh, closet yeah. that rethink. Like no one sees them ever. Yeah, but like to me, it's more like I believe that creativity strengthens the brand and and sells and makes everything more fun. But going back to uh, uh, to uh, to why I left. So uh, I grew up in Unilever, wanting to do global work and working in a, in a big brand. Uh, and I can I couldn't think about a better brand to accomplish that than Dove. So when the conversation started about, and I was there for four years on that role. Yeah. When the conversation started about what I'm going to do next, which like four years seems a a good time to move, um, I, I always felt that the position I was in was better than what I could potentially do next. Mm-hmm. And, and for the first time in my career, I was not itching to do the next thing. 
you know, because when I was a manager, I want to be a senior manager. When I was a senior manager, I want to like manage like a, a regional brand instead of like a local brand. And when I was a regional senior manager, I wanted to be a director uh, until I got to be global VP for Dove, yeah. uh, managing the largest category, which is a uh, uh, shower. Um, and I also had skincare and some of the master brand work. So for in, in that moment of like, oh, wait a second, I'm not eating to do the next thing. Like, so maybe I should look outside, you know, like, and then I thought, okay, if I were to change, uh, I need to change for something that's completely different. Uh, because why I would change to do something that's similar to what I'm doing here, which yeah. is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm happy and like everyone knows me and like they allow me to get away with doing cool stuff. I mean, the, the case for Sketch is like we broke many rules like on the way we went about it. And mm-hmm. and that was possible because I had a credibility there. My boss had a credibility there and we were willing to pick up some fights. So, um, so I thought, oh, maybe I should go to technology. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I should go to a brand that needs a turnaround, that I admire and that I believe has done amazing work in the past, but is not doing great these days. So I spoke to some technology uh, companies that was back in mid end of 13. So I decided I would leave first. Yeah. Um, that didn't tell that to anyone. Uh, and, and, and started to approach some companies. So I spoke some, with some tech companies and they didn't feel it was a good fit at that moment. Uh, I didn't feel they value marketing to the level I I thought it was needed for me to be happy on uh, on the role and, and have autonomy to do things. But many, many companies that I spoke to, and I didn't speak to many, to be honest. I spoke to people who I knew. Yeah. Uh, I felt that they were more focused on sales and developers than, than marketing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I felt it was not for me. I didn't want to be a consultant. I didn't want to be like, be like this client type of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, which w- w- was, I, I want to do work, not to be like him, mm-hmm. be like this guy. Uh, and then I called Burger King. Like, they never called me. Like, I knew some of the guys on the leadership team. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the guys was an alumni. We, we did an MBA together um, at the same time. And I called him and said, hey, um, uh, I'm thinking about leaving. I think you guys have an amazing brand. And um, uh, and I think I could help uh, because I don't think you guys are doing great work. And I think the brand has done amazing work in the past. The work was not good. I want to be respectful, but, yeah. but it was not good. I was at CPB when Burger King fired CPB. Yeah. So I was running Canada as CCO. And I remember the email that, um, yeah, I think it was Chuck, it might have been Chuck Porter or yeah. Andrew Keller. But the email was, hey, everyone, Burger King has fired us. And the reason why is, you know, the people that we really loved have left and they don't want to do the work that we want to do anymore. They want to show big big whoppers and talk about really fresh tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> that was the email. Yeah. That was the email. And so you're seeing this work out in the world. Yeah. But you're remembering, I mean, CPB yeah. did the really good yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was like th- that time, the time you're describing is a little bit before I came. Like it's like a couple of years before. Well, yeah, because they were doing like okay work for like two, three years. Yeah, like uh, the time I called them was end of 13. Um, and yes. I, I called because I thought like, look, I mean, this is a brand that won a Titanium Grand Prix with the King's Games. This is a brand that did Sub-7 Chicken. Uh, this is a brand that did Whopper Freak Out, Whopper Virgins, Whopper Sacrifice, that did all the work on um, 
uh, on chicken fries. I could go on and on and on. Such an ad nerd. You know? And But, like, it's amazing. And then and then I felt like, look, I mean, the work is not great in design, resident image. It's not great. So maybe I, I can help. As long as I have autonomy to do stuff, yeah. I think I can help. And that was the conversation that started. And, and I came here, visited the guys, uh, really in, liked what I saw. Uh, I saw a bunch of, like... Uh, uh, young, eager, very smart people who didn't necessarily have a marketing background uh, and, and were crazy enough to uh, to tell me that I would be able to uh, to, to to lead marketing uh, um, uh, in in the company, especially on this like on the creative side. Um, and then I took the leap of faith and and, and came uh, from London to uh, uh, to Miami. Uh, and that was end of 13, beginning uh, of 14. The first thing I did, one of the first things I did when I came was I reached out to everyone in CPB uh, yeah. to talk. Yeah. And I didn't know any of them. Uh, <laughs> so I, I reached out to Andrew Keller yeah. and met him in person. I reached out to Rob Riley. Um, uh, Bogoski was retired, so I, right. I didn't yeah. reach out to him. I spoke to Chuck Porter. I spoke to Russ Klein, who was the client mm-hmm. uh, from that time, yeah. um, to Tiffany. Uh, yeah. like who is on uh, RGA now. That's right. Uh, so I spoke to all the guys, you know, like, and one of the best conversations <laughs> I had was with Russ Klein, who was the CMO uh, that did, like, uh, uh, the, the work back then. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, I, and I was like, I had nothing to show uh, because I was just starting and I was just saying, and I probably came across as super naive saying things like, yes, I want to do great work. I aspire to do work that is own that direction, probably not as good as what you guys did because I really thought what was done was amazing. I went, every time we had a project, I would go and, and almost like hire the, the almost like the same team that did the work from back then. Mm-hmm. So for instance, one of the first projects we did was Proud Whopper yeah. uh, for Burger King. Yeah. And it was shot by Henry Alex who shot Whopper Freak Out. Uh, yeah. like, so we like the agency recommended let's just get him no I think it was more like we were all big fans of the work from, from back then and we, we believed that there was something that worked well for Burger King when the executions were like more raw and real mm-hmm. you know like Whopper Virgins or Whopper Freak Out uh, and every time uh, Burger King uh, manifests itself in kind of like a glossy contrived commercial way yeah. it didn't make the cut and that was the work that was happening uh, at that time so we look at i mean i f- still think that Whopper freak out is the best is one of the best if not the best campaign ever done uh for bk yeah uh, so i said who shot that <laughs> like uh, henry alex who happened to be someone who uh veronica who was the head of uh, production for david miami also really liked yeah so we we brought him in and explained to him the project ambition he, he bought on that uh, and we did a couple of projects with him. Mm. Um, Three months before Whopper Freakout happened, I had a campaign with my agency, Zig, where we had the exact same idea. It was to take Molson Canadian away. Yeah. It was just to take it away. Sorry, there's no more there no more Molson Canadian. See what would happen. And then that came out, and we were just like, oh, no. <laughs> no, I mean, it would not be as good as that, because that was just... It was just awesome. I think Whopper Freak Out works purely because it's very like middle America. You know what and, I'm saying? Like uh, uh, Some of those people... I think just, the Canadians would be too polite. On the <laughs> I think the Canadians, you're right, would be too polite. People were going to like take out weapons. 
There were some great, 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 great reactions. Yeah. I'm dying to ask you about this, and I can't believe I've waited this long. <laughs> oh, the moldy whopper. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I um, I was reading about the coronavirus today on CNN, and just below it on CNN, I see a story about the moldy whopper. Actually, and you're quoted. I was scrolling down. And okay. was pro- yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So there you are. You're quoted. And they did it in a kind of clickbaity way. The headline yeah, was, the Burger King thinks this moldy whopper is going to get you to buy their burgers. It's kind of a, like a but weird he- like headline. But negative headlines um, sell and, and people click on them. So I think it's a really important point because I think it ties back to um, one of the conversations we're having in the beginning, which was one of your key points when we started, which is why do people don't do good work yeah like when i think that uh, you need to understand like when a negative headline hits like there is an impact uh internally uh, on the marketing team mm-hmm. and there are two types of ceos mm-hmm. right i mean th- you can have a ceo that comes after the cmo saying like i told you you see like uh, that was too much like uh, now we are in deep shit da, la, 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 la. getting Which, letters and phone calls yeah. yeah so my ceo doesn't do that you know what I mean? Like, uh, my CEO doesn't even forward me the thing. My CEO just comes and is like, man, everyone is talking about it. How's it going? And then I tell him the truth. I say like, hey, sentiment is 88% positive neutral. Our la- ratio of likes and dislikes on uh, YouTube is the same. Um, when we look at the word cloud from Crimson Hexagon, um, people clearly got the message. Um, the awareness between... Uh, th- that we remove artificial uh, ingredients uh, between people who saw the campaign and who didn't see the campaign is 5x. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, um, I could go on and on. The consideration to visitation is plus 22%. We we had like a, a Super Bowl campaign last year, which was Eat Like Andy, right? Yeah. Which was the most talked about Super Bowl campaign of that year. Mm-hmm. I mean, a- Andy Warhol was like number one in terms of search. Burger King was the number one brand in terms of search. Mm-hmm. Moji Whopper has 50% more awareness than that uh, yeah. in, in a fraction of the cost because it's not a Super Bowl campaign. So uh, uh, when I when my uh, like my my boss uh, who is the CEO never comes after me because he got a nasty mail from someone because um, uh, he saw a negative headline or because a franchisee got upset and all those things happen, you know, uh, because he he trusts me and the team that's working behind the brand. So the maximum that can happen is that he will ask a question and it will give him the answer and he will be happy with the answer. Even the way uh, the question is asked is in like in, in a positive way. It's not like trying to find the flaw. Right. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? But it's tough, you know, like to have that type of environment. You need people who have strong conviction. Yeah. Uh, you need people who are, uh, who would, know how to deal in case of something negative really happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in our case, like if something negative happens, which never do, never happens, uh, we will learn something we're going to do better next time. And it's like, it's all good type of mentality. You know what I mean? Um, but that environment usually is not what happens. It's know? not. So, I mean, if you had a, had a CEO that would, you know, jump down your throat you know, every time someone says something negative, you'd probably quit, number one. But number two, would you approve the moldy whopper? Um, like maybe he would ask to approve or she, and it would not get done. You know, what do you think the marketeer 
would do, the normal marketeer would do if the CEO came after him or her. He would like he would be like, okay, let me show you the research. You know what right, I mean? Like right. a, which is almost like a, a mechanism of defense. Mm-hmm. Like I did show him the research, but my research was done live after the launch. Not before. And no I one imagined. I love that. And um, you're taking it's a bit of a trust fall. You're you're taking a chance. Yeah, but for instance, like I can get an early read and then if it works and it was working, we can double down an investment. And if it doesn't, I can just like chill, you know? That's what I want CMOs to hear on this podcast. I love that. That's amazing. And in this case, it worked really hard for us. Like uh, it drove um, um, increasing consideration to visit. Uh, it drove sales. I cannot talk openly about the like the, the numbers of sales because we haven't published the results for the brand in in, um, uh, in quarter one yet. Okay. Um, it was not even the objective, to be honest. I mean, the objective is if you are a CMO and if you're listening to this, you have two jobs. You need to sell because I don't think any CMO will survive six months a year if the brand is not going up. Yeah. Uh, and you need to prepare the brand for the long run. Uh, do you think that fast food will have artificial ingredients five years, ten years from now? No, I don't. So I will, as my job as a CMO, to bridge the present to the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to do that while getting credit uh, for doing that. How do I get credit for doing that? I'll make sure people understand what I'm doing. And so the objective was to shift brand attributes around um, uh, the fact that Burger King has high quality ingredients, uh, in- increase consideration to visit because you're diminishing a barrier, which is artificial ingredients in the product, yeah. awareness of the fact that we don't have artificial ingredients. So I was measuring that. I measure sales too. Not everything has the objective of selling on the short term, right? I mean, if all the objective was let's sell on the short term, let's just do promotion, you know, do a BOGO, buy one, get one free, and it will sell on the short term. But how do you tap? How do you um, 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 sell more next year? You know, when you are lapping the bogo uh, yeah. that you did. So you need to strengthen the brand. There was a brief, right? Yeah. So what was the brief, and how did this all go down? Who presented it to you? I read some stuff. There were multiple yeah. agencies involved. Yeah. I want to hear the story. Yeah. So like uh, we like we have like two types of briefs. Uh, there is the brief which is kind of like the bread and butter work. Yeah. Which is probably like involves more research, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yes. It's like, hey, next month we are launching a promotion that's like this. Um, like it's a two for six, two for five. It has these sandwiches. Mm-hmm. I need to advertise that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a bit better than that. It made it sound really shitty. <laughs> uh, but like, uh, it, no, it's but a it, very. It needs to get done. Yeah. We because, have a QSR client, uh, A&W, yeah. which is very big in Canada. Yeah. And it's, a, it's, a, it's a great brand. You know, it is a great brand. Um, so, um, so we um, we have like our bread and butter stuff, and you know, like if you have a QSR client, there is a strong component of uh, making the business happen, which is like almost like a retail uh, thing. You know, I need to drive traffic; people come to the restaurant all the time. So that's one type of brief. And then there is another type of brief, which is more like linked to our strategic priorities, mm-hmm. um, uh, which doesn't have a deadline, uh, which doesn't necessarily have a budget associated to it. Uh, and it's kind of like an open brief mm-hmm. that we have with our key creative partner. It's not a pitch either. Yeah. Like uh, if I have five ideas, I'll do the five of them. You know <laughs> what I mean? like they, and they know that. Yeah. So uh, one of the briefs that we have that's kind of like, a, by the way, this is the same thing we used to do for Dove. Yeah. So we have the brief with a one-liner and we have some insights that people can use as part of that. Yeah. So uh, in this case, it was like 
Burger King food is real food, um, which at some point were even articulated as our food's not crap. <laughs> you know, <laughs> in fact, we sponsor uh, the student competition of the A&D, Clio and One Shaw. Uh, and I don't remember which one was the brief, but in one of those, I think it was the A&D last year, um, the brief was BK Foods Not Crap. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's very simple and the creators will never forget. And you you ma- will never forget. You made that happen? Uh, that BK Food is Not Crap? They sponsor the... Yeah, inf- sponsor every year. That, that's amazing. The three, like, I think it's in three different briefs. I used to do, I used to teach at Miami Art School. I'm on the board of Miami Art School. <laughs> I'm on the board of the One Club for Creativity. Yeah, uh, right. And advisor for Khan and advisor for D&D Impact. <laughs> um, so, because I think it's, you need to pay back to the industry somehow. Different conversation. Yes. But like, um, going back to, uh, going back to the brief. So, BK Food is real food. And then I explained to them, guys, like, you may not realize, but we've been working here for the last three, four years, cleaning up our food. By cleaning up, I mean removing colors, flavors, preservatives from artificial sources, removing MSG, removing high fructose corn syrup. It's not easy to do that. If it were easy, all the industry would have done it already. Every time you remove something and put a natural ingredient instead, it changes the taste profile, it increases cost. So you need to find a way to do it, and it takes time. And that's why it took us three, four years. Mm-hmm. So I can talk about all of that because I'm either completed in some market or I'm on the verge of completion uh, in most markets. So that was the brief behind Moji Whopper. Biki food is not crap, Biki food is real food, and then bullet point underneath was we don't have preservatives. Yeah? Yes. So, the idea was first presented by David Miami. Okay? This is like two, three years ago. Don't, like, I don't remember exactly, but it was a while back. Yeah? Back in Anselmo days? Yes. Okay. Um, and um, and we, um, we were not ready uh, for the idea. And the idea was presented differently. Okay? Uh, it was not exactly what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was something there. You know, you know, Do like, you remember how the idea was presented? It was more like a, um, a comparison against McDonald's. You know, like, yeah. uh, and, and, uh, and there were some videos and some stories from around the globe that showed like uh, uh, McDonald's burgers not like getting molded or not mm-hmm. rotten. But it was a, a, almost like a side-by-side type of but thing. But it showed mold? It did. Right. But it was not like with the same angle. You know, like you know better than than anyone like it's sometimes it's on the detail mm-hmm. you know like sometimes it's like one small change <laughs> on, on how you're seeing an idea it's what unlocks the idea yeah, yeah. so it was not about beauty you, you see what I'm saying yeah, like yeah, yeah. it was much more raw uh, comparison gotcha. we liked it though uh, we just felt it was not the time because we were still in the beginning of our journey of cleaning up the ingredients yeah mm-hmm. then around nine months ago or so um, um, uh, Ingo presented the idea to us. Ingo presented the idea because they work for BK Sweden. Yeah. Uh, the client on BK Sweden is called Evo. He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and we tend to do lots of things together. Mm-hmm. You know, we tend to bounce ideas off each other as clients. Yeah. yeah like yeah. he shares the stuff with me, I give feedback, and, I, and we always like working on things together. Mm-hmm. We always have something cooking. So uh, we were having a meeting, and then Bjorn from Ingo and his team. Said presented like a bunch of ideas, one of which was uh, Modi, mm-hmm. um, and it was slightly different than what David presented. Yeah, um, it it also had an angle of comparison in the beginning and all that. And then when I saw, I, I felt it. We were much closer to 
um, be ready uh, to deploy that because the product was like getting closer to achieve what we wanted to say. Mm -hmm. So I told them, guys, I mean, I love this idea. I want to do it. I've seen it before. Um, I've seen a version of it before, which is normal. It happens a lot, like your case of Mosin and uh, uh, Weber Freakout. Yeah. Um, like, so why don't we have a shot with David? Because they are kind of like part of Ogilvy, mm. both like Ingo and uh, and, and David. Mm -hmm. Why don't we have a shot? And, and I know that Bjorn and Pancho, who is the, the, the creative guy for David, know each other and get along really well. Mm -hmm. Why don't we have an adult conversation and see how we can make it happen? Mm -hmm. And they were like, sure, like, let's do that. So we started producing the idea, okay? Like we started working on it. And I say we started because it took us months to get the crafting right uh, of the mode. Right. You know, like um, it's a science. <laughs> you don't know for how long we would have to mold. Do you do it in the dark? So you, you, became, in the you became an expert Bjorn, on mold. <laughs> Bjorn is a, a mode PhD, I must say. <laughs> uh, and then when we were like in the middle of producing, Publicis, which also does some work for us uh, in Europe, yeah. Uh, came and said, hey, we have a bunch of ideas for you. And they presented five ideas, uh, and one of which was kind of like Modi Whopper. So yeah. while we were still in the presentation, I was already sending the deck <laughs> from, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. from Ingo yeah. to then say, guys, I mean, I'm already working on this. Yeah. Um, because I don't want people to feel like we stole ideas because that's something that we definitely did not do. You know, like... Uh, now, it's kind of common to get similar ideas. It's not common to get similar crazy ideas. And I think all these agencies, they're coming to you with this crazy idea because you're a little crazy. Like probably. Like, they, yeah. they, this guy, like, they look at your track record. This guy yeah. is is doing all kinds but, of But I think it's work. something that clients should understand, which is the following. Um, if there is a, a... One question that you should ask me is like, why I don't work in an agency? Yeah? Mm -hmm. uh, and most likely my answer today would be because I don't think I could deal with clients. <laughs> you know, like, just to be honest with you. Uh, and um, because I think it's probably, if you are a creative person, I imagine it must be incredibly frustrating when you know something's amazing uh, and you cannot make it happen or you are like, it's dying on a thousand paper cuts because it's getting weaker and weaker and weaker, getting diluted, diluted and diluted. And I cannot handle that. You know what I mean? Like, so, uh, um, so what, what I was saying was that because agencies know we are the type of client that makes shit happen and because they know that we have a high creative ambition, uh, it's natural that the creative teams, especially the younger uh, creative teams, they think disproportionate about my brand. They do. Mm -hmm. Because like, you know, yes. like yes. if you are a young creative, you only, you, you like, chances are that you are going to grow in your career by doing great work and being poached by someone else or unlikely to grow within the same agency. Very few people do that. But it can happen. But can you're happen. only going to grow inside or or jumping to the other side of the, the fence if you do great creative work that's known in the industry. Now, if I am sitting there and my agency has a portfolio of clients and 80% of them, I know they don't buy uh, good work or it takes forever for them to make anything happen. Like, by nature, when I'm taking a shower, I'm thinking about the simple brief that's the other thing, which is Burger King food is not crap <laughs> or Burger King food is real food. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be thinking about that because yeah. like it's easy to remember. And so there is a, a virtual positive cycle 
uh, in being a good client. You're a good client, you do better work, you get better ideas, you become an even better client and you do even better work and you get even more ideas, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's, and it's good for the business. So, um, and, and clients need to understand that. Okay, if you are a shitty client, you get like a, a good round of ideas, you get a second time, the third time is like, no, fuck it. Like, let's think about these other guys because these guys are a PowerPoint people. Like, <laughs> it never happens, you know? Yeah. Um, so, publicist presented. Yeah. And then there were some things on the publicist presentation that I really liked. Yeah. You know, like there was something on the lay about the layout, about the way they are going about the photography, uh, about like some words that they had on the headline. Nothing was exactly the same, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, um, but then I called Bjorn and Pancho and said, "Man, like, um, and the thing that happened in the industry because uh, uh, people know our brand really well, um, and we are all kind of like reading the same things, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, so it's, it happens quite often that people have similar ideas. Uh, and then I said, I saw something that I think will make our campaign better, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and they trust me too, my my creative criteria. And then I told them." If I show you, we'll need to bring them on board, okay? Right, right. Because it wouldn't be fair for me to show you, yeah? And I would love to bring them on board because they are great people. Is Dudu and York, two guys that I, York I had worked with before, crazy guy that does uh, BK Romania, uh, he's Italian, uh, and Dudu is a Brazilian guy who I always wanted to work with, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, so, oh, I think he's based in Spain now. So, if I show you, we need to bring them in and give them credit and I want them to be part of this. And I think we should, you know? And they said, look, I mean, if you think that, uh, we are here to do work for the brand. We don't care about like uh, credit or this or that. If you think this will make it better for the brand, yes, let's see. Uh, and then we all saw and we said, yes, let's, let's join forces. What specifically made it better? I think like, I think that the... Um, uh, the headline that they had uh, was very focused on beauty, mm -hmm. which we hadn't spelled out. Mm -hmm. I think that the layout that they had was closer to uh, what we end up doing. Right, because it's like a, even though it's a gross image, it's it only beautiful. works that way. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. if it were disgusting over disgusting, um, it right. wouldn't work. It's beautiful and disgusting. It messes up your mind. It does mess up your you mind. Know, it's a positive message with something that you you know it's not necessarily good. But it's done beautifully, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's mesmerizing. Like people just watch. It's hypnotic. Like I know, to watch that it, time lapse. It is. It's so. And hypnotic. that's why it works. You know what I mean? Like any. It, it to me is, if not the bravest campaign I've had the opportunity to work with, is the bravest campaign I have the opportunity to work with, yeah. uh, because it drives results completely different. Breaks every single freaking rule I can think of. Uh, it created a lot of debate in the industry for people. They actually like it. I have the data to to back it up. Yeah. If you don't believe in me, go on YouTube, look at the video, look at the ratio of likes and dislikes, mm -hmm. and then go and watch any other video from Burger King on YouTube on our channel. The ratio of likes and dislikes is is, is better for <laughs> Audio Whopper. Right, right, you know? right. Uh, because people know that we're doing something that's good. Like uh, we removed uh, four point eight thousand tons of artificial ingredients from our products globally mm -hmm. per year. I mean, I know it's hard to conceptualize what 4.8 thousand tons is. It's 38 Statues of Liberty. Okay, so imagine the line uh, of Statues of Liberty of artificial ingredients, yeah. colors, flavors, preservatives. I'm not even counting high fructose corn syrup MSG. MSG. Uh, that number would make it even higher. Mm -hmm. We remove that from the food that we serve. You know, going back to something that you also said, you said... 
uh, oh, you left Dove, Purple, Swanana to go to uh, work for Burger King, completely different. It is completely different. It's 3G Capital, it's a franchisees, it's a different industry. We own the point of sale. Um, but I think that the other thing that's completely different was that Dove was perceived to be super purposeful and positive for everyone. And helping the world in some yeah, way. And yeah. fast food is perceived by many to be evil. Um, yeah, and, I have an asshole question from Instagram yes. that ties to what you're saying. Yeah. So I put your face up on Instagram <laughs> and I said, you got questions for Fernando. And someone asked, how does Fernando sleep at night yeah. knowing that he's making people eat junk food? Now, yeah. I, know, I know, but I know how you're sleeping at night. You're talking about, you know, making the food healthier. And there's also an impossible yeah. Whopper, right? So talk more about the good that you yeah. are doing. Yeah. So when, when I decided to leave Unilever, I went to my, a friend of mine whose name is Katrine. Uh, he's, she's not there anymore, but like we are really good friends. She was the person who would grab coffee in the office in London. Yeah. Yeah. And then she, and I told her, hey, I'm leaving. She was shocked. She was like, what? <laughs> like, like you've been here forever. Like you're doing so well. Why? And then she had second question is like, where are you going? And it was like, I'm going for Burger King. And she looked at me and said like, why the fuck like, are you going to leave the most purposeful brand that we have to go and poison people? You know what I mean? If you like... Did she say it that way? Yeah. Uh, and she's like very direct. Um, uh, that's why we all love her. Um, and um, she keeps us real. And, uh, and, uh, and, um, and she asked like, why, if you like food, why don't you go and work for a startup? Why don't you go and work for Whole Foods? And I look at her and said, well, they, they don't need me. They're already doing the right thing. You know, like it doesn't matter if... Katrini, or if you think that fast food shouldn't exist or, you know, like it's here uh, and it's going to be here for a while, I would say. Uh, fast food offers a great balance of value, craveable food, uh, convenience, you know, so it, it has a role uh, to play. Now, sure, it can be better in terms of uh, the, the, the quality of the ingredients, the, the industry uses it can be better in terms of nutrition it can be better in terms of environmental footprint so let's make it better you know instead of just like complaining about junk food uh, I mean if you don't like junk food at all vote with your feet and don't go there and eat it but people are eating billions of people come to Burger King every year billions with B yeah mm -hmm. so if I go there and make a small change uh, and I think we're making more than just a small change you can have a big impact for the world. Yeah. So uh, I tweeted uh, the other day that um, if you want to have a purpose, uh, um, start by making sure your brand is not screwing up, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I'm presenting Cannes this year and the presentation is called Don't Fuck It Up. Um, <laughs> and because to me, that's that that's kind of like, it's not what, how can I sleep at night, which I'm not sleeping much because I have a two months old at home, but it's why I wake up to go to work. You know, like it's different. Like if you're focused on your sleeping, you're focused on the wrong time of the day. <laughs> like uh, I wake up and go to work. Uh, yes, sure, to do cool stuff. But what is has me the most excited about these days is all the work we're doing on sustainability, all the work we're doing in terms of the quality of the ingredients and all work we're doing in terms of nutrition. Uh, and it's a journey, you know, like so instead of complaining about it to do something about it you know be the change you want to see around you so that's the the mindset i mean we work on we work on burgers and uh, we work on a and w and it's we feel good about it 
because A&W is doing a lot of good things. Yeah. They got the uh, Beyond Meat Burger. Yeah. And uh, not to be competitive, but, yeah. you know, no steroids, no antibiotics, yeah. none of that stuff. So it's good. So our creatives, you know, they want to work on A&W. Yeah. My rule is that it's very simple. Like, I have two boys. One is almost five now, and one is two months. Um, Leo is the almost five. Oliver is the two months old. Um, I want Leo and Oliver to be able to go to Burger King and eat anything they want without me feeling bad about it. Uh, are there products there that make me feel bad about it? Yes. So I'm changing that. It's that like, that's kind of like uh, oh, the ingredient policy that, that we have. It's amazing. I, mean, I just talked about A&W and I couldn't work on Burger King. That's a conflict. And I want to talk about conflicts. I just saw something that had me go, whoa. And that was, why didn't Kennedy... They have Kentucky Fried Chicken, yeah, KFC, and then they also got McDonald's. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that before. Did you read that news? Uh, yeah, it's like um, a month, two months old, I think. Right? Yeah, that's they, right. I think why the New York is doing some McDonald's stuff, right? And what? I think that the other why the West Coast is doing in Portland. They're yeah. doing the KFC. KFC. So I mean, our CMO is going to go for this. So here I am with, yeah. you know, the King CMO. <laughs> what did you think when you read that? Um, oh, my God. How I answer that without sound completely politically incorrect. Um, I Look, I think it depends. I think it depends on whether you see the other brand as a competitor or not. If you see the other brand as a competitor, I would probably avoid uh, doing that. Because it can have, like negative consequences like uh, of like imagine like if they do an idea that the other guys were planning to do for instance right like, fuck like um um i i, I manage popeyes okay mm-hmm. um if if my agency that does popeyes also wanted to do mcdonald's i would be against it um yeah i think if it were if they if they were doing a coffee place or a pizza place maybe yes but like, it sounds a bit subjective, but I think it really depends on who, um, which competitor you like, uh, who you consider your competitive set. Yeah, like McDonald's sells their chicken sandwich, as you know. It's a very good chicken sandwich. Not as good as Popeye's. I can officially say that having tried the Popeye's chicken sandwich. But they, they have a chicken sandwich. KFC has a chicken sandwich, but here they are. Yeah. You know, you got the same agency doing chicken sandwich ads. Yeah, well, maybe maybe they um, maybe they convince the two clients that they'll keep um, everything like very separately uh, between the two offices. We have that too. I mean, we have a Vancouver office, so literally yeah. the other end of the country. But I, I would prefer to have everyone that works on the network thinking about my brand, not segregate. Like, uh, uh, I like, hear you. But, you know, like uh, every person has a different mind. Um, I, I'm sure there are smart people there who know what they're doing and yeah. it makes sense for them. So, you know, like uh, it, it really depends. I mean, who am I to judge? Uh, I mean, uh, Wyden has some really smart people there. Uh, KFC has amazing people that work there. McDonald's has amazing people that work there. If they were able to find um, a, a sweet spot that make works for all of them, that's great. Cool. So I have... But what, what other questions do we have from Instagram? Oh, I yeah. like Instagram Oh, questions. yeah. No, I got some good ones. Ooh. I have... <laughs> this, is a, this is a good one. Now you scare me. No, no. This is a good one. And you uh-huh. know who this is from? I got about 30 questions from Instagram. One of the questions is from my own client. Oh, yeah? I'm not going to say their name, 
But uh, I love this question. He said, how do you get the lawyers on board when you troll your competitors? And I know this yep. client very well. And they're trying to do the same thing. Yeah. And the legal team has been like a I, real I problem. A, I think it's a really, really good question. It's a great question. Um, so um, so I will tell you how not to do it first. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the, the best way to not do that is to do everything. And after everything is ready, you go to the lawyer and you ask for the lawyer approval. Have you been screwed over by that before? By my, because by if you if you're doing that, it's your fault. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like if you don't get that approval, yeah. Because first of all, I think that the mindset on the company needs to be one where the lawyer doesn't approve or disapprove. The lawyer recommends. Uh, it's a business decision uh, whether you're going to do or not. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, the ultimate approval is the CEO. No, mm -hmm. that's where the the it it stops. Yes. Uh, so that's one thing. The, you, I, I wouldn't approach the lawyer by saying, you don't approve or disapprove anything. That, that conversation is not going to end well. <laughs> but <laughs> no. I, I think it's a conversation you need to have with your CEO over a, a, a coffee. Yes. Um, then the second thing is, um, the key, 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 there are two key ingredients to make sure that you guys are on the same side because that's what it boils down to. One is early involvement. Mm -hmm. um, I don't go to the legal team after everything is done, I go to the legal team with a napkin uh, with the idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yes. uh, and uh, and we talk and then we discuss and we brainstorm and um, um, and, uh, and and we try to find solutions together. And then I come again when the idea is in a board. And then I come again when they have a script. And then I, So it feels like uh, it's a process that they, they, they are part of the team. And you make lawyers your best friend. No, they are part a of little, the team. I mean, no, I know, but I mean, it's good not to piss them off. Having an adversarial relationship yeah. with them is not going to help. And look, I mean, my conversation starts like this. If I were a lawyer, I would say no to everything. You know why? It's your job. No, because it, it is, but beyond that, it's like, if I say no, um, if I say yes, and it doesn't work, the question would be like, who in legal approved it? Uh-huh, that's and, right. And if I say yes, and it works... The marketing team is genius. So what's the upside for me yeah, on that? Whoa. So they will only um, be on your side if you make them part of the team. You know, remember that you said mm -hmm. that you take people, you should take people to a movie theater to see the real income. Mm -hmm. We do that every year here. Mm -hmm. Every year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We go, I make a, a short speech, I give credit to everyone. The legal team comes. Like, I make sure the entire legal right. team... And when you send a thank you email to everyone, they're on it. Yeah, I, I make right? this speech. I was in the middle or end. I say, and thanks to the legal team um, for uh, working so hard so that I'm still here with uh, you guys and not in jail. And everyone laughs. Um, <laughs> and they get applause and it's great. Yes, they are part of the team. You know, they are, they, I make sure that they come uh, to, the, to the movie theater thing. Yeah. Because not only they will get credit. But they will see that there are other people out there that are doing things that are way crazier than what they're doing. <laughs> because the real is not just Burger King. Uh, right, you know, right, like right. I choose, like piece yeah, by piece. Look at this shit. Yeah, so early involvement uh, is, is really, uh, uh, really key uh, if you want to have like uh, your legal team on your side and giving them credit for the work yeah. uh, is, is really, really uh, critical too. Um, 
building your credibility with them is also important. Yeah. Uh, working on risky things with your legal team is like exercising. You know, like uh, if you've never done it before, the first time you do it, it's like you are uh, fat in the couch and you need to go for a half marathon. It's not going to work. Yeah. Like you need to first run for five minutes, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. then 10 minutes, <laughs> then 15. Then you start running three times a week. And then maybe in um, six months, uh, you'll be able to run a 10K. It's not like, oh, I'm a couch potato and I want to run the New York Marathon. It's yeah. not going to work. <laughs> you know, like, so build your credibility, bring them with you on the journey, give them credit, start small and aim big. And then after some time, chances are that you guys will be working as a team and you'll be able to do things that you thought were impossible before. That's right. And you touched on this a bit. For those marketers out there who are not good friends with their legal team just yet, there is something you can do, and I've seen clients do this, when the legal team comes back and says, well, there's risk. They always say there's risk yeah. in every single thing. So that's, as a marketer, you should just ask the question, what's the level of risk? Is it a 1 or is it 11 out of 10? Is it going to shut down the company? You find that out, and then you have a coffee or a beer with the CEO. And that's it for right now. Yeah. If you're stuck in this position, yeah, and, and I've just yeah. I saw this just happen with and, and one of our work clients. With your legal, like how can we diminish the risk? Sometimes you say, "Oh, it's impossible," and then you change one word, and he's like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, and I'd actually encourage get the agency on the phone. I've done this. I've done this. I had a phone call with many phone calls with the marketing team, CMO, and legal, and we just let's yeah. figure this stuff out. Yeah. Let's figure it out. Well, what happens if I change, like I'm a copywriter by trade. What happens if I change the line? What happens if I put it as a question? Like, what if, with a question yeah. mark, does that change things? Yeah, actually, that's very good. Yeah. And this happens a lot. Yeah. yeah. But then they feel part of the process. Yes. They are not like a gatekeeper. You know, like they're part of the team who is trying to, which is trying to find solutions to the thing. A hundred percent. Well, that's a good answer. A really good answer. What other questions we got? <laughs> what's the most fucked up thing this is from Instagram what's the yeah. most fucked up thing you were ever presented probably something that never saw the light of day what, yeah. what's <laughs> what's the craziest thing you've ever been presented is there something that comes oh. to mind I mean the moldy whopper is insane yeah. so I'm like trying to think of what can be crazier than that I think like look I, I struggle to remember any idea that I pushed for us to do and we haven't done for a good reason. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like uh, uh, where I where there was a fight with the CEO or whoever, and I lost the fight and disagreed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what I mean. Like uh, I don't remember. I think that there there, there were uh, when when we don't do an idea, is because we're not prepared uh, to do it. Right. You know what I mean. Like I I don't like doing things that we cannot back it up internally with the stuff that we are doing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and I think mode is pretty fucked up. Like, it's uh, brave. You, if, and you know what? Maybe they meant it this way. Maybe they meant it about, you know, worst. Because <laughs> I don't know. Like the, the moldy whopper is crazy. But, like, just but maybe they want it. What's the worst? How about this? What's the worst idea? But like, I, like <laughs> it depends on how you frame it. Like, because I can tell you, like, if I came to you and said, "Hey, uh, we want to show a rotten burger to sell burgers," you'd be like, "What? Hey, um, <laughs> I want to take forty-five seconds in the Super Bowl and have Andy Warhol 
eating the burger in silence. Those aren't bad. Those aren't bad ideas. Those are crazy, <laughs> and uh, those are crazy. And crazy is good. Uh, you remember? I, w- you I remember? want to show burning stars. I want to show stars on fire. Oh, that's so you good. Know, I like would, a, oh, I, I hope we get to talk about that. I do want to. I do want to talk yeah, about that's that. That's a good imprint. imprint. Um, okay, so now I'm, I'm going to abort this question and just go right, right <laughs> to the see, burning stars. We have stores. a collection. Of I know, and you want to know something? I said I just talked to Anselmo in Toronto, and I, <laughs> I said to him, I thought that was fake. I didn't think a client approved it. I don't think a client saw it. Like right when I saw that, I, I like, sent in the idea. What are you talking about? <laughs> I know. He told me that. I'm like, no way. A client, but now it makes sense. That's you. You sent him burnt I down sent stories him because one brief we had was, uh, um, let's play with fire, okay? Yeah. Uh, because Burger King flame grills since 1954, uh, yet the awareness in the U.S. could be higher, okay? Especially with the younger demographics. Younger demographics don't give a shit if I'm just sh- showing like a burger on the grill and all that. You know, I need to do do something better than that. So I went there and started googling stuff. You know, like um, um, fire, Burger King, da da da, and I start seeing like lots of images of Burger Kings on fire, like real images. It happens, like it happens in any restaurant. If you search McDonald's, there will be McDonald's like on fire too. You know, yeah. KFCs doesn't matter. Yeah. Um. So I made a collection of like twenty-five of uh, thirty of those images, and I sent to the guys um, on David, saying, "I think there is something here." I didn't know what what it was you know like uh, we share stuff all the time even when we don't know yet what the idea is but we can smell that there is something there yeah you know so even the guys the guys sent something to me it's not a board or a script or it's just like hey fur do you think there is something here and i look at the thing it's like yeah i don't know what it is i don't know if it's but there is something there mm-hmm. uh, there is something that's very visceral and powerful around you say you flame grill, here your store's on fire. There's proof, it's, yeah. It's almost like shit happens type of, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so it took us, I know it to sound absurd, but I think it took us like six months yeah. to say this is a print ad <laughs> with flame grilling since 1954. That's, That's it. it. That's it. You know, we couldn't crack uh, the thing. Yeah. Uh, and they cracked. They came back and said, we think it's a print ad with the line that you already have, uh, with the stream since 1954, with the stamp that you already have yeah. uh, on your pack, and it's as simple as that. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. So then we, uh, it took a while for us to find the best pictures. It took a while for us to check to make sure that no one got hurt uh, on the fire. Because imagine like uh, we use an execution and then someone in uh, Italy because one, I think, as you can say, yes, two firemen died on yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. I'll be like, fuck, like, you know, like, so we, we did all the due diligence to make sure that... That's why I thought the thing was fake, because I thought, you know, some bad thing could have happened. Yeah, and but it was real. We that's aired that. It's nuts. It's nuts. The moldy whopper is nuts. It's crazy. You've just done so much crazy work, and you remember the, uh, speaking of great work, remember that apple spot, here's to the crazy ones? Yeah. Well, you're one of the crazy ones. No, I'm, and are, are, I, don't put me at the same level as Picasso mm. and all those guys because that would sound absurd. Well, in our little world of uh, marketing and advertising, you're one of the crazy ones. And uh, no one's doing it like you, Fernando. No one's doing it like you. You're such an inspiration and a role model to marketers, to agencies, to anyone in this business. And just uh, thank you so much. It's, it's, just, my, it's, it's yeah. my pleasure. It's only fucking advertising. 
So that was Fernando Machado back in early March. It felt like I had a a huge grin on my face the whole flight back from Miami under my face mask, of course. By the way, I was the only one on my plane wearing a face mask. True story. Uh, I've always been a little paranoid. Those that know me know this, but uh, you know what? I'm looking forward to seeing humans again. Looking forward to you know seeing my coworkers again, having a beer with them and other people. Not Zoom drinks, drink drinks. And I'm sure you're all looking forward to that as well. In the meantime, we'll likely put something out before everything seems totally normal-ish. We have some killer episodes in the can. They are all ready to go. We interviewed Ari Weiss, my mentors Elspeth Lynn and Lorraine Tao, Rob Schwartz, Per Peterson. I'll tell you what, I'll do a little poll on Insta. And you tell me, you tell me who we should release next, and we'll do it. By the way, if you didn't skip ahead on this podcast, you would have noticed that Ted, Ted snuck that personal attack song (laughs) about me bringing up Vim all the time. Thanks for that, Ted. Anyway, this has been another episode of IOFA. Cue the real jingle. It's only fucking advertising.